Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Tuesday, March 1st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is really actually excited to get to watch the Oilers play and all of those high-powered offensive players they have. Yeah, it'll be like the circuses in town. I agree. <laughs> Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all of our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to get caught up with the latest with the Flyers, preview tonight's matchup against the Oilers. Then we're going to talk about those Jeff Petrie rumors with Laura Saba of Lockdown Canadians. And it's Phantoms Tuesday, so a lot going on today should be a good one. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So we knew this was happening. We're still not thrilled about it, but Morgan Frost was officially sent down to the Phantoms. Yeah, it it sucks. That's how I'm going to term it. I don't like it. It's three weeks from the trading deadline with a team that's out of it and you're going to send down the guy that needs the development the most and could actually benefit from being up since his two-way play has been pretty good um, by playing with some of the other guys who have come off an injury now but instead nah just keep rewarding the other guys and keep playing the vets. Yeah, it seems like that's what they're doing. And it feels also like Morgan Frost is between a rock and a hard place here because they've been asking him to improve his defensive play almost to the detriment of his offensive play. And now they're saying go back to Lehigh Valley to get better offensively. Like, what is it here? Like, which what do you want? Yeah, you can't keep yo-yoing the guy and expecting this to be a solid year of development when he lost some development because of the shoulder surgery. It's maddening. That's all I could say. It really is. I just feel so bad for him at this point because I don't know what he can do to get a solid spot in this lineup without them falling back on guys that just don't have a long-term future with this team, whereas he could. And Mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense to me. He's supposed to be your future. Like, uh, I don't know. This is not the way you treat the future of the team. I don't know. If he's not, cut him loose. Yeah, they're not going to do that. You know that, and I know no. that. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the whole frustrating part of this whole thing. You know, based on practice again yesterday, oh, Nate Thompson was back on the ice. That's actually good to see that he's recovered. Yeah, I'm happy that he's recovered, and mm-hmm. of course he'll he'll get traded. But again, he doesn't need to play every game until the trade deadline. He doesn't. No. You know, once again, power play units are not ideal, according to what we think. Well, I mean, yeah, JVR in the top power play. I mean. I know. I know. Uh, it's infuriating. Uh, Especially after a win, you're like, okay, we're going to face the Oilers, who also have a strong offensive team. We did pretty well against the Caps defensively. How can mm-hmm. we take another step forward? This is not it. 
I'm no. sorry, but this is just not it. It's not, and and it's actually just hey, it's pretty much the same old, same old. I am exceedingly frustrated. I don't know if you can tell by my tone, but that's where <laughs> I am. I think this team just doesn't seem to want to build on anything. And like I said, we're facing the Oilers coming up next, who are just out of a wild card spot. I think right now they're fourth in the Pacific. They fired Dave Tippett and hired Jay Woodcroft. And that seems to be going mostly well for them at this point. They did win five in a row after that coaching change. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been a little bit more mixed since then, but they've played really well, even when they've lost, um, you know, a couple of the games, especially recently they won against Florida Panthers, but lost to Carolina on Sunday, two to one, where Connor McDavid took a high stick to the face that apparently broke some teeth. But as Per usual in hockey, he returned to the game. Yeah, nobody expects to keep their teeth in the NHL, let's be real. If we recall, the Flyers won against Edmonton earlier this season, 5-3, to three, but those were the early halcyon days of this oh, team. I don't even... So, was that the same season? Yeah, I know, right? It doesn't even seem like it's the same season. I, I will say this, though. I looked up something about McDavid the other day, and he's actually four, fourth all-time in points per game already behind Mike Bossy. Like, it's already. Like, it's crazy how productive this guy is. I think we take it for granted. I do. It's true. It's true. Given that they seem to not want to make some special teams corrections in order to take that step forward, they are at least keeping the top lines together which Mm -hmm. I think have worked well together. So I do think that that should help them in this game against the Oilers. That's uh, Farabee on that top line with Giroux and Atkinson, and then Lawton centering Lynn Malam and Konechny. I I do like those top two lines. It'll just be, I think, a struggle in my eyes defensively. So Provy did play better against Washington, that's for sure. But, you know, again, Provy and Braun – Sandheim and Ristolainen. Hopefully Ristolainen can add some of that physicality. And if he wants to get traded to a playoff team, maybe this is a good show-off opportunity for him. Yeah, I think it is. But I think, you know, Keith Yandel might get exposed in this one. I, I think that Ratcliffe should be up on the third line and Mayhew should be on the fourth line. But that's just me. Yeah, I think so, too. I think the way that Isaac Ratcliffe can be that physical presence but also has the hands, I think that you know, given an opportunity to have some more minutes and show off more of the offensive side of his game and his skills, I think that would be a better position for him, especially in this particular game. I mean, again, he's your future. I mean, Mayhew may get signed for another one-year deal if he takes it, but, you know, this guy's your future and you're going to just play him on the fourth line that has almost no chance of scoring anything unless he creates it. Yes, and we have absolutely reached the point in the season. You know, it's March, which I can't believe that. It's hard to believe. You're right. (laughs) I know. But we have officially reached the point in the season where we need to be doing those things. We need to be playing the guys that are our future and showcasing the guys we want to trade at the trade deadline because – You know, it it has seemed like the trade deadline was forever away, but now we are at the, the you know, the three week point Mm -hmm. here. And so when push comes to shove, we have to be looking at the future for this Flyers team. And 
they're not seeming to be doing that appropriately. No, I really, I mean, if I was an outsider and I was looking at this team, I would say the future looks muddy. I don't know what they're doing. I do not either. And, you know, I think at least my hope is that they can make a good showing of it, win or lose in tonight's game against Mm -hmm. Edmonton so that we can, you know, see what this team is capable of and what some of these guys are capable of. But if they don't, that they make the necessary adjustments to be moving into that direction to try and figure out the future of this team. And and there's a good point. It's like, let's just say they're not going to do well against Edmonton. We don't know, but let's say they're not. If you lose the game 5-2 to two with this lineup, you're like, what are you doing? If you lose the game 5-2, to two, but you let your young guys have a lot of play and maybe they got some good chances, good looks, all those things, then you say, all right, you know, I can live with that. Exactly. Well, we'll see how that goes <laughs> tonight. And again, my hopes are high. I, I feel like they're starting to get a little bit of confidence, especially with that game on, on Saturday. So we'll see how tonight plays out. Uh, We will be talking more about the future of the Flyers coming up next in a potential deal with Montreal for Jeff Petrie and what that could mean with Laura Saba from Locked On Canadians. But first, we're going to talk about our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to other sports and information. Head to the website today to use your mobile and use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. All right, so the rumor mill is heating up for trade deadline. And one thing we have seen is some possible interest by the Flyers in Montreal's Jeff Petrie. And who better than to tell us all about Jeff Petrie and what he could bring to the table and what the cost might be, Laura Saba from Locked On Canadiens. Welcome, Laura. Hi, thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And I guess the first question is, what is going on in Montreal with Jeff Petrie that a trade for him is on the table? Is it just selling season and he's a good option? Or is there something inherently going on with him? There's a lot going on, actually. So Jeff Petrie obviously was put in a position to be the number one defenseman after Shea Weber uh, is essentially done for the rest of his career. Flyers legend Shea Weber um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, he's he's so injured that they don't expect him ever to come back to play. But, you know, the way that you have to handle this and, and, and sort of not be accused of circumventing the cap or whatever is to say that he's on IR. But essentially, that's what happened is they lost their number one defenseman. And so Jeff Petrie was put in that unenviable position. And there have been some behind the scenes um, rumblings that the injury that he suffered against Winnipeg in the playoffs 
was worse than anyone thought. And so he didn't really have the use of his hand. And he came back to a really tough situation. The Canadians had a huge disappointment in a very long postseason. They came back after a very short off season and they came back to having lost a lot of their leadership in the room and to some obvious dysfunction. Right. So he had that um, that I guess that that misery of being involved in, in a dysfunctional franchise coming back from injury, having to do too much. And I think a healthy Jeff Petrie, a mentally and physically healthy Jeff Petrie would have easily been able to step in and shoulder those minutes that he was being given. Uh, but essentially what happened is that, you know, when everything is going wrong and you try to do too much, it just ends up compounding the problem. So he was in a lot of uh, situations where he was literally hurting the team. And so there was a lot of negativity surrounding that. And at the same time, this has also been used as a reason, which I don't necessarily think um, is 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 uh, should be discounted, is that his wife um, took his children, his currently pregnant wife, so his three kids and another one on the way, um, took his children and went back to Michigan where they live, um, purportedly because of all the restrictions in Canada. Um, she was just happier there. So being away from your family uh, is kind of tough on the psyche as well, especially when things are not going very well. And so there was sort of hints that he's had a conversation with management that he wants to be traded to the United States. Uh, I think that part of it is is possibly um, maybe a moot point soon because in Quebec obviously restrictions are uh, gradually not even gradually like today uh, uh, one set of restrictions has been lifted and then by two weeks from now um, you know there aren't even going to be vaccine passport requirements uh, going to restaurants and things like that so and the Bell Centre will be at full capacity in two weeks from now so I think that there's a lot to be said with like that that personal aspect of it like he was unhappy and things were not going well and his family was away from him which obviously isn't doesn't provide any any comfort um doesn't provide any any uh sort of you know not not incentive incentive is a bad word but that 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 what you need to sort of feel better about yourself right so things have changed uh martin saint louis come in and again i don't want to speak ill of the previous team or the the previous front office or the previous coaching staff but the dysfunction that was there no longer seems to be there, uh, both with the management change and the coaching change. And he literally has said that he enjoys coming to the rink again. Somebody posted a meme on Twitter today, Jeff Petrie under the previous coach and then Jeff Petrie under Martin St. Louis. <laughs> oh, no. It's, you know, and it's obviously it's night and day. He's playing really well. The first couple of games were still rough, but what happened with Martin St. Louis was he put him back out there. Um, he defended him when asked uh, by the media about his mistakes and things like that. He gave him that leadership that I think he wanted. He gave him that encouragement that I think that he wanted. And so he's come back. And in the last few games, everybody on the team is thriving. Like Literally, we can't name a single player who's doing worse. Everybody's better. And a lot of them are doing miles better. I mean, you saw Cole Caulfield's stats, right? Mm -hmm. He had oh, yeah. one goal. One goal for an entire season. And then now he's got, well, like six, seven. I, I can't even count them anymore. The number of goals he has scored. He's back in the conversation that, you know, Trevor Zegers. Don't be so he, excited because Flyers <laughs> fans are upset they didn't draft him. So don't be too excited. <laughs> I forgot that. the That's where he got his nickname, the small goals boy, is the yep. wonderful Nabita. was like, can I get the small boy who does goals? Well, the small boy who does goals is now doing goals. And Jeff Petrie is now doing defense. So all this to say is that he's going to be fine he's got some term left he's a little bit older so that like the, the age is definitely a factor but he's got term he just resized in the first year of his contract yeah 
Okay. He's definitely uh, a bargaining chip. In fact, for us, we think that he might be the biggest bargaining chip on this roster unless Jake Allen comes back from injury. Just to play devil's advocate, so, you know, at 34 with that term, I don't I don't think it's ideal or even close to it. But also looking at the amount of blocks and, and hits and everything he's had over the years, shots, and all of that has been de- decreasing, even though last year he had a great year. But it's all been decreasing for the last few years. But I look at it and I say, okay, let's say he comes to the Flyers in a deal and he's sold on, you know, the number three slot. And then Ryan Ellis gets hurt again and their power play protect possibly stalls. And then he'll be top power. You have to be this depressing about it, right? No, but but these are things that happen. (laughs) I know, I know. You know, and then it's like, so if that happens, then he's either top power play and the number two guy or top power play and the number one guy again like he's literally just one player one injured player very injured player removed from that like what would that situation be like for him again he'd be happier in this in the states but would he be unhappy again with the miss assignment i think he's versatile enough that he won't to be honest i really okay. do think that he has shown in his previous years with the canadians like this has been a, a really off year in his previous um Uh, years with the Canadians he has stepped up and he's played whatever they've needed him to play they needed him to quarterback one of the power play waves he's done that Um, they needed him to step up and play when uh, Shea Weber was injured like isn't the first time Shea Weber has been injured no true he's definitely taken that place and he's definitely been able to do it and I do think the physical and mental toll on his body uh, on his play uh, are are kind of a huge factor so he's not going to get younger there's absolutely no chance of that happening he is sort of being sheltered a little bit sometimes in some situations you can kind of see but I also do think that he's useful like he's if, if you ask him he will step step up and he will do it like this is an anomaly year more than the norm uh you did allude to his contract situation he is under contract through 24 25 and his cap hit is 6.25 million which is a lot yes so do you think that salary retention might be on the table I think the Canadians are up against the cap when they're trying to rebuild and build a contender, that it's going to be a tough sell on the Canadians. So you'd have to be giving something really, really worth it back. Uh, because the thing is, everybody's assuming the Canadians are rebuilding because they say they're rebuilding, but they keep talking about not tearing everything down. So it seems like it's going to be one of one of the sort of the New York Rangers things where they say they're rebuilding so that you'll accept that they're going to be bad. But then they go on and sign our Teddy Panarin. Right. Mm -hmm. We just talked on our show like they're going to go they're going to go after a big name free agent in in the offseason. We we can sense that because part of it as well is that the ownership um, isn't going to tolerate empty seats like they'll, they'll they'll tolerate losses but they will not tolerate empty seats. So if the Canadians are not a great team, but giving you something to watch night in and night out, that is the ideal situation because they do want to stock up on picks and prospects for the next couple of years. Like the, the way that I see it is they, they don't want to contend five years from now. They want to contend two to three years from now. So uh, there's definitely like you're, what you're going to have to be returning back is either somebody who's just about to enter their prime and is going to be a significant part of this team um, or some other sort of incentive, really. That's interesting. And I, I could see Gordon pulling that off and, and be, have there being a little subterfuge. But yeah, I have to say, if it's if it's close to the full 6.2, or something really good going in return, I can tell you Flyers fans will absolutely hate this deal. Maybe Chuck Fletcher won't, 
And maybe that's what Jeff Gordon's counting on. But Flyer fans are going to hate it because they already don't want to like give up a pick to get rid of JVR's cap hit. And if they're gaining another older guy with a 6.2, there's no way he's going to be as effective as he was last year for the next three. Like I would be completely shocked if that happens. And so, you know, I guess, Laura, you'd have to, the question on the Flyers end is, are you getting this guy to actually compete in the next two years? Because by year three, you know, what do you think he'd be like in year three? In year three, he's definitely going to be your third pairing defenseman. He's going to play yeah. the power play minutes for sure. He's very effective on the power play minutes, mm-hmm. but he's, and he's also going to get more offensive zone starts than defensive zone starts. I think that's right. definitely going to be um, because he's still, I, I feel like he, his body's not going to be able to withstand a long, like, like higher minutes, but I do think that he's still going to be fast enough that he can contribute offensively. So that's a, that's a lot of cap hit for a guy like that. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, I think that's my biggest concern because also the Flyers currently, I think, need to acquire more picks than they need to give up, you know, in order to have a successful trade deadline and off season. And I also think that the Flyers may not have the right prospect to send to Montreal in order to make this deal work, unless the order of operations at trade deadline is the flyers make a bunch of other deals first and then right. execute a Petrie deal because we have it, the particular assets and they've done some backroom deal to make it work like that. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you on that one. And so it, it's kind of, the Canadians are kind of also in the same boat where they've got a lot of things that need to happen before they can part with their currently de, de facto or not. He's their number one defenseman, right? Mm-hmm. So before they're ready to part with him, like a lot of things have to come into play. Either they have to be in a position where there's a young guy that's going to be able to be groomed to be the number one defenseman. Lots of people talk about Caden Gooley, but to me, Caden Gooley is not modern NHL. He's definitely going to be a force for the Canadians, but he's not going to be your number one defenseman. No, so he, until... he won't be a number one. He's he's right. a two. He's a two. He's de- and he's great. I love him. But he he's is not terrific. A number one. No. So I think yeah. So I think the Canadians have to have some idea of. I who mean, their number honestly, one be. Romanov could be a number one if he. You think so? I think yeah. he's good, but I don't know if he can do that number one. Role. I mean, he so... did it in KHL. I mean, he's not like going to score twenty goals like Shea Weber, but he can move the puck and get a shot on net. He could right. do those things, and I think he could do that. So we've considered him one of the untouchables on this team. So I wonder if they do think that he, you know, if they, if they see something from him that tells him he can be the number one, or if they see another prospect that, you know, a couple of years from now will be the number one, then I think that the Canadians will be willing to part with Jeff Petrie. And also if you sweeten the deal, keep some of the salary, probably not a whole lot of it, but you know, a good 1.25 isn't going to hurt. Yeah. I I think that would be reasonable. Yeah. But I, I think, to me, Jeff Petrie is the kind of guy that's really good for a team, but the Flyers are not the fit. I mean, agreed. <laughs> you know, you did a good I job think... of selling them, though. You did. You I did. Have to yeah. Give you yeah. No, he. I. I. Because yeah, I can see some teams that he would thrive on, or that yeah. would be really happy to have him. Ironically, Edmonton. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Could get get a lot of use for him, or you no, know, the Flyers like have to too. sell him some defensemen. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, so there's definitely like there's definitely teams that 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 um, he's better suited at. But it's an intriguing possibility. It's close to it's close enough to home for him. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's an American team. It's a it's a team that like I feel like he'd fit in well. He does he does have sort of the gingerness of it, so he can make up for some of the the gingers that have been lost over the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's an intriguing prospect. But to me, I feel like there's teams where he would be a better fit. Is the way that I would I would express that. All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for joining us. This was Thanks. a roller coaster, but a good one. <laughs> thank you. I'm always happy to join. Sorry, it wasn't definitive and sort of, uh, but you know what? Wherever he lands, I'm always going to have a soft spot for him. And thank you so much for letting me come on and, and talk about him. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, from expert mechanics to beginner do-it-yourselfers. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever you need for your car, you'll be able to find it and get your car in shape. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. It's Phantoms Tuesday, and we have a bunch to talk about with the team from this past weekend. Not a great weekend overall, Russ, I gotta yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, we had a win, a loss, and then an overtime loss. And that overtime loss was very frustrating. That whole game Friday against Cleveland was very frustrating. You know, the team is staying in that seventh position in the division. They're 18, 20, and 10 right now. Interesting note about their special teams, which we have harped on all season long, as we have with the Flyers, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Institutional trend here. But they are the second worst in the AHL power play percentage-wise at 13.6%, yet they are fifth in the league in penalty kill percentage at 83.9. Well, I which... think that's an indicator of the coach. The coach was yeah. a very good penalty killer, so that message has gotten through. The power play, like, that's just not acceptable. Not at all. And it's, this was a big reason why I think they lost the games that they did this weekend, you know, especially on Friday, they were 0 for 3 on the power play, but they stopped all of Cleveland's power plays and were 4 for 4 on the penalty kills. So that was a prime example of how diametrically opposed the two parts of their special teams are right now. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I feel good about the penalty kill, but honestly, the power play is probably more important because... Like you said, it's not good within the organization. So there's really nobody this year within their whole organization that's probably feeling good about the power play, and that's not good. The one really good thing from this weekend, I think, was Wednesday's game against Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. They did come back from down two goals to tie it up, and they wound up winning in the shootout. Uh, Adam Clendenning, your favorite, 
uh, had the shootout winner in that one. He also had an assist on Maxim Sucho's goal in the second period of that game. And once again, he just continues to play really well for the I Rams. mean, just, just name me another offensive defenseman who has NHL experience who can't get a sniff when he's playing really well in the AHL. Just name me one. You can't. It makes no sense. It does not. And especially, I think, if they wind up dealing some defensemen at the trade deadline. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we just talk about Jeff Petrie as a potential option. Why not cost you nothing and bring up Clendenning? Right. Right. Find out what you have. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just it's I just find it imperative. And they'll probably do that like the last two weeks. Probably. Because they hate us, Russ. Yeah, pretty much. The game on Friday against the Cleveland Monsters, again, a kind of frustrating game, a very low event game. It was only 20 to 19 in shots in the game overall. Cleveland won it 17 seconds into overtime. Mm. Just exceedingly frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you when it goes like that, you just like, ugh. One of the things that I do appreciate about the AHL is when you have back-to-backs or a weekend series against teams because the second game gets super chippy in a fun way, and Saturday's game was that to a T. Yeah, that always happens. There's teams build up. They don't get a hate tolerance. They just they just fly off the handle when it's, when it's two games in a row like that. And I like that too, and I do think that should bring out the best in your team. And it was also a lot different than Friday's game. Again, Friday was low event, but Saturday's game had a lot more shots and a Mm -hmm. lot more action going on. It also saw uh, the return of Pat Nagel to the net, his first game back from the Olympics, and he made 35 saves on 37 shots. I mean, good for him. He hasn't played in like a month. I know. I know. So he actually, I thought, considering all of that, uh, he played really well. And it was just one of those games where the Phantoms couldn't get one to go. Um, I I did think Tanner Lazinski looked his best in that Saturday game. He had some really great play down low when they would cycle the puck behind the net. Um, and especially so in the third period of that game. Yeah, that's like his specialty. He's really physical. He's got excellent puck skills. He knows how to cycle the puck. That's how he played in college. But he also could score goals, too. And this is good. These, you know, there's we have to look at the few bright spots that exist. And he's going to be one of them because I do think he could really challenge for a spot on the team next year. Now, uh, if, if Patrick Brown's going to get re-signed, it could be a potential roadblock for him but wouldn't shock me because of the way things are going i hear you i you know all of that makes me nervous that they're going to want to re-sign some of these veterans and kind of roadblock some of our, our younger guys that really deserve the shot linus sandine as an example he's having a pretty good offensive year but he's on a one-year deal is he really going to come back probably not i wouldn't think so which again is such a shame yeah, because but, he does have a ton of promise, and he, he does has have been promise. playing well. Yeah, and some of the, the last-minute additions, we've talked about him at the NHL level, but like Cooper Zek, I mean, I'm not even sure what they ever saw in him. There was never anything to see in him, and yet they handed him a contract, and it's like they have to do better with that. Throughout the organization, for every Clendenning, there's like three Cooper Zeks, and if you're not going to give these guys time 
then just sign guys like Nate Thompson and don't bother with the other guys. Clendenning maybe knew he wouldn't get much of a shot this year because maybe the Flyers were going to be good. But now that they're not good, he can't be happy. No, not at all. And it just feels like with this team and the depth signings that they are done in some sort of panic mode without any clear thought about how this is going to impact their prospects or maybe even worse, that they do know and they don't care. No, I think they care. I, I just I just think they're in this mode and, and we heard it from Dave Scott, so I have to believe they're still thinking that even though we've had a show on the cap space, even though we talk about these other things, that they feel like, hey, they'll just return to form next year when guys are uninjured. And it's it's more complicated than that. Is there a chance that happens? Sure. Is it a great chance? No. And that's where you need the young guys to really kick in. And again, if, if, if Chuck were to go back and fall back to a few years ago when he was counting on the young guys and they didn't come through and then he's like, well, that's why I had to sign all the veterans. Well, then we're just going to be in this like perpetual circle. And I don't want to see that either. Well, in a perfect world for me, we'd get at least 15 Flyers games at the end of the season to take a good look at guys like Cam York, Igor Zamula, Tanner Lazinski, if he's ready, mm-hmm. you know, and at least, you know, seven to 10 games from from the other guys that are down there and, and deserve that look. In a row, though, don't just yeah, bring them up exactly. and then sit exactly. them for three or four and then put them back in for two or three. They need to get a little bit of consistency there so you can really see it. I agree with you. Well, the Phantoms will have some chances to improve over this past weekend, this upcoming weekend. They've got a Wednesday game against Providence and then a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday against the Charlotte Checkers, who are always a difficult opponent. (laughs) It's not a great weekend shaping up on paper. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, like I said, the trade deadline is, is right around the corner, and I'm starting to get more and more upset about Claude Giroux leaving. Part of the reason is because I love Gavin so much and the content we get about Gavin. We got a rare look at Declan Atkinson recently on the Flyers Instagram adorable kid redhead perfect flyers kiddo for for me to get all of that fun kid from so yeah he's a cute kid no doubt it's a great picture well hopefully cam brings the kids around to the rink a little bit more and yeah, that'd be good. Uh, has some fun it's always good to see the wee ones out on the rink listen there's, there's going to be a day where there's a lot more focus on cam atkinson so it's probably not too early to do it That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow with a recap of the Flyers versus Oilers. We'll have some mailbag, lots to talk about. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send us in those mailbag questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.